It is the 200 level episode 118, Dare to Dream 2020. Yes, it's that time of year again where we take a look at the schedule, we go game by game, break it down with my friends Trevor Valise and Harry Black for an eight game Big Ten schedule that came out Saturday at a snail's pace, one game by one game by one game. But eventually, we got the schedule. And if you're an Illinois fan, I think you need to feel decent about it, especially compared to, let's say, Nebraska. The eight games include two crossover games against Ohio State and Rutgers, so those basically balance each other out. One must win, and another probably not going to happen. So there's two ways that we're going to do this with Trevor and Harry. The first one will be breaking down the eight games into three categories. Must win, toss-up, not going to happen. And that will give us a clue of the spectrum of wins that this team could have. I think it's anywhere between three, and I guess best-case scenario would be six. Though I think between three and five is probably a little bit more likely. We'll do that. And then, of course, we'll go game by game and see where our records end up. You have the ninth game, which is a crossover against whoever in the Big Ten East has the same finish as you did. And hoping that if Illinois can have a decent season, maybe that means something like Michigan. Let's say you finish third or fourth. Do I see that happening? Full disclosure, no, I don't. But I do see a path to four and four finishing like, let's say, fifth in the Big Ten West and feeling not all that bad about things because all things considered, if we were to come into this season with a 12-game schedule and the three games in the non-conference at 6-6 six and six with a 3-5 and five Big Ten record, or I guess that would have been 3-6, uh, and six, you would have been somewhat disappointed, right? At 7-5, and five, then you start feeling good because you would have went 3-0 and oh in the non-conference and then finished 4-5 and five in conference. I think we would have taken that. So with an eight-game conference-only schedule, 4-4, four and four, you take it. Five and three, I'm ecstatic. Three and five, I think, is a bummer. And then you start questioning the long-term viability of Levy Smith if you are not doing that already. Now, here's the problem, though. If they were to go, let's say, three and five, or a disappointing four and four, however that looks, there isn't really a hot seat for Levy Smith this year. When you look at the financial realities for this athletic program and for most I think coaches that would normally be on the hot seat, you aren't going to see as many coaching changes made, depending on the contract, of course. Lovey Smith's buyout did not change when they made that extension after Lovey's third season, but it's still money that this athletic program probably is not going to have at their disposal. So I would count on Lovey Smith staying regardless. And because of that, I think the approach that I'm going to take with this season is rooting very hard for them to be successful. Now, you may say, wait a second, Carp, fanboy. Why would you not do that anyway? I want resolution more than anything. I want to find out whether this is clearly not going to happen or if for sure this is going to happen with Lovey Smith. But unfortunately, that resolution on the other side of it, the resolution of, oh, they stink, so therefore we're going to fire Lovey Smith, that is not a likely outcome. And because you take that away and don't have this feeling that if things go badly, they will make a change, that is why I'm all in for not resolution one way or the other but for resolution one way only, that they go like five and three. And you feel really good when you go into that ninth game on December, what, 19th, I think it is. And it's a bonus at that point. We'll get into all that and more. I'm excited to get Trevor and Harry back on the show. It's been a while. We've been doing a lot of these solo podcasts, but I got exciting news in terms of programming for the podcast, for another thing that I'll be doing with Jeremy Warner coming up, and some exciting personal news in just a second. Before we get to that, a reminder that the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe. I'm on a dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. You can get a custom zone with any topping that you want, build your own zone, or you can get one of their favorites, the Maui Wowie, the Buffer Zone. You get dipping sauce on the side, and best of all, Champaign-Urbana residents. They will deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. 
Go to dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdo.com. Fourth and Kirby, online at fourthandkirby.com. I just bought the Illini football t-shirt that came out about a month ago because we got games in a month. Really awesome stuff. It's from a 1978 program, Illinois-Purdue, I want to say. I'm not 100% sure. But just like all their other t-shirts, they are vintage-inspired. They look great. They feel great. They're high quality at fourthandkirby.com. Use coupon code 200LEVEL or the200LEVEL for 10% off your order. And State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguide.com. For life, auto, home, business, renters, insurance, whatever it may be, Brian and his staff, they're experts and not only that, they are local products. So they have your local interest at heart for East Central Illinois. That's brianismyguy.com. Trevor's favorite domain name, brianismyguy.com. Also, Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. All right, so full disclosure, I'm recording in the basement as always, and my allergies are going nuts. This happens this time of year. But it's really aggravated because I've been in the basement cleaning things up. And the reason for that, we are moving not out of Champaign-Urbana. We're staying in the community. This is where we live. This is where we work. But we found a new house in Champaign. We're moving in mid-October, a week before Illinois football kicks off. So we should be fairly settled by the time that Illinois-Wisconsin game kicks off on October 25th. Excited to make the move. We'll get the studio set up pretty quickly so I can continue with the podcast. I don't foresee many, if any, missed shows. In terms of programming, though, didn't want to talk about that. We will be doing Mondays with Mike on the Illini Inquirer podcast. That will begin around football season. Going to work out all the kinks and scheduling with Jeremy to make sure that we can do that and get that out every Monday. And the cool thing is that will be somewhat of a post-game reaction. We'll have a game that we can talk about and a game upcoming that we can look forward to. For the 200 level, we will have a weekly show somewhere midweek, Tuesday, Wednesday. Great thing about that is we'll be able to talk about the previous game and the upcoming game, kind of like what Jeremy and I are going to do, but with Harry or with Trevor, with both of them, any combination. On Saturdays, we're going to start this up again. We did this for basketball. We really enjoyed it. I think the listeners enjoyed it. We will start second half reaction slash post-game pods. Immediate reaction, 200 levels during the football season for all eight games. I'm really excited to get that going again, and it's a good mix of capturing how Illini fans may be feeling as they're watching it. But I also think it holds up okay if you listen to it after the fact, especially if it's a win and you want to revel in that joy again, or even if it's a loss and you want to have that cathartic anger and you just get to listen to other guys complain about how Illinois football looks. So we will get that going on Saturdays. Not sure what the combination will be, whether it's me, Trevor, Harry, Isaac, We'll get the guys involved some way, shape, or form, but we will have those on Saturdays. So again, each week for football season, and really into basketball season too, Mondays with Mike on the Illini Inquirer podcast, 200-level midweek, and a 200-level on Saturday for the game, second half, and post-game reaction pod. Between moving and the podcast and working, it is going to be a busy fall, but it's going to be an exciting one. So really happy with the future, uh, the immediate future of the 200-level. We are not going anywhere, and in fact, we are adding to the programming. So we'll get that started along with Illini football. And I got to admit, Saturday, seeing that schedule trickle out bit by bit, it was fun. And to know that we will have Illini football and Big Ten football mid-October all the way essentially through Christmas, that's exciting. There are, of course, concerns. You look at Wisconsin, since June, 42 COVID-19 cases, I think 35 of them since September 1st. That's a campus that I, I think is essentially on lockdown or quarantine for a couple of weeks as they try to get their numbers down. They are not alone. 
We continue to see college football games get postponed, suspended, Baylor. I think they're going to lose a couple games, and it's going to be difficult to make that up. So for the Big Ten, eight games in eight weeks, how feasible is that? I actually think somewhat feasible because of two things. One, they have the rapid testing. So if any conference is going to pull this off, it would be them. Secondly, the time. The time that they bought for themselves, not starting until mid-October, I think gives each program enough headway to get things under control so that you do not have outbreaks. And at least if you do, it's individual players and not more than, let's say, five, six, or seven of them, that you can field a competitive football team. Certainly, that will be a storyline throughout the year. Major contributors that come down with COVID-19 and all of a sudden change the complexion of a matchup. But I don't think you will run into postponements the same way that we've seen in some of the smaller conferences and the Big 12 to an extent as well. We did talk last week about why the Big Ten came back, and I know that money plays a role. I understand why there would be cynicism regarding the announcement. But at the end of the day, when the football games start, all of this that happened is going to be a fairly distant memory. And even after Saturday, it seems like a lot of the vitriol that was directed towards Kevin Warren and the conference, that has fizzled. Expectably so. We're all excited the football's coming back. This is something that is going to be unifying in a lot of ways for the Midwest and all the fans of Big Ten schools. I don't know how much this is going to hurt him going forward and the uh, perception of the Big Ten, but I actually think this could work in the conference's advantage. Just like how I'm optimistic they'll get eight games in eight weeks, the fact is the Big Ten will be playing football by themselves from late November into December. They will have the stage. And in all likelihood, when you look at the scheduling breaks that Ohio State got, they will have a team in the football playoff and may even be better positioned to win it because they will not have that extended break between the last game of the season and the football playoff. About two weeks, two, three weeks max. This may be completely advantageous for any Big Ten team that makes the playoff. So this may work out. This may work out. Now, Nebraska, of course, they got a little bit of a slap on the wrist, and I think the league told them, know your role, quit threatening lawsuits and all that crap. They get slapped with Ohio State and Penn State as their crossover games. Now, that is a punishment, even if it's not intentional. But I get the feeling that if this was sort of a haphazardly done schedule where you got guys in a conference room and Kevin Warren's there overseeing the thing, he says, all right, listen, Joe, just get it done. Make sure these guys get Ohio State and Penn State. That is a tough draw. And their schedule is such where if they get three wins, that might be about what you can expect from this Nebraska team. This is where scheduling plays a huge role for Illinois. Eight games, the two crossover being Ohio State and Rutgers, which you would hope, hope they go one and one. And that game against Ohio State, by the way, Thanksgiving weekend here in Champaign. I know there's not going to be any fans, but that's exciting. You get a marquee matchup on Thanksgiving weekend that will likely be nationally televised for all to see. And it's a measuring stick game that there won't be many expectations, regardless of how good Illinois is playing. The expectation certainly won't be that they beat Ohio State. But at that point in the year, why not? Give it a shot and see how well you can compete. Overall, though, got to be happy with Illinois' draw, where they might actually start the year. Of course, at Wisconsin, that might be 0-1, but then Purdue and Minnesota at home, a real opportunity to go 2-1 in the division before you go on the road to Rutgers. Worst case, you need to be 2-2 after those four games. And then you have at Nebraska, toss-up, let's call it, Ohio State back at home, split it, get to 3-3. Three and three. Iowa at Northwestern somehow split that, you would hope, and get to 4-4. Four and four. That's why I'm sticking more with 4-4 four and four than I am 5-3, and three, certainly, and maybe even 3-5. and five. 
I think that knowing how weird last season was in the Big Ten, and especially for Illinois in that four-game stretch, things can get weird in a hurry. And games that we look at right now as toss-up, but yeah, probably not a good shot of winning, may actually flip around. Maybe Iowa isn't quite the team that we thought they were. And they come down here late November, and Illinois springs an upset. Actually, I guess that would be early December, right? Good Lord. All this December football. At Northwestern, that's another one where I know we all remember very well what happened last Thanksgiving weekend when they came down here with a depleted Illini roster, but nonetheless made them look terrible. But they're due, right? I know that Harry Black loves that. Illinois is due to finally beat Northwestern. Whatever combination it takes to get to 4-4, four and four, I can see that happening. It may not be pretty. It may not make us feel any better about Lovey Smith long-term, but 4-4 four and four is something that in an eight-game conference-only schedule, you take. 5-3, and three, any way that you get there, you feel great. 3-5, and five, not so good. With all this in mind, it is time to do something we've done all the way back to 2011. Lon and I did this on the TNJ show, Dare to Dream 2011, and we would have been right if that team just hadn't sucked in the second half of the season. They did start 6-0. and We felt vindicated for a while, calling that season Dare to Dream. We're going to do that again with this season, though we will mix in the realistic and the pessimistic viewpoints of what might happen in this eight-game schedule. Before we do that, a reminder, DP Doe online at DP Doe for all the best deals and prices. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana, custom zones with any topping you want, and some of their favorites online again at dpdoe.com. Okay, let's get to it. It is Dare to Dream 2020 edition with our old friends Trevor Valise and Harry Black. It is the 200 level. Sunday evening, the Bears are 2-0, the Eagles are 0-2. I'm happy, Trevor's happy. Harry, you are what? Eating a bowl of frozen peas. Eating a bowl of frozen peas. That's me right now. That's my emotion right now. (laughs) I'm not surprised. Um, Sorry for the, uh, what's that, (laughs) siren in the background. I'm really not surprised. Good Nat sound. I went into this game, and I told Trevor, uh, Rams plus two was the lock of the millennium. Mm-hmm. And Good call, I, Harry. Made me some money. Thank you, sir. Yeah, yeah, not a problem at all at my at my expense. And <laughs> um, and watching that game unfold, it was sad because I was on a text thread with my dad and my brother, and we go down twenty-one to three, and we're texting saying, "You know what's going to happen? We're going to come back, make it look like it's going to be close, and then we're going to end up losing by more than we were at the beginning. We were down twenty-one to three got it up to 21-16, were driving in to take the lead, threw a pick, ended up losing by 19. That is verbatim what happened. And it's it's sad because it's you're watching this team and you can predict the outcome because we've seen it happen so many times. It's kind of funny in a way. But that didn't bother me. What bothered me more so than anything else was the Cowboys pulling off what they pulled off because I can't stand the Cowboys. At least your Bears didn't also blow one against the, yeah. the, uh, the Giants. That got a little bit fine. too close for comfort as well. Trevor, as I'm watching this Bears, this is the last bit of NFL we'll do, but I'm thinking about, okay, 2-0, and on one hand I'm underwhelmed, and on the other hand I'm looking at the rest of the NFC, barring the Packers and really the NFC West. And I guess you could, uh, you could throw the Saints in there, and I guess the Buccaneers kind of had to bounce back today, but... Long story short, I look at the NFC as completely wide open, and that when you start 2-0, your chances of making the playoffs are a hell of a lot better than 1-1 or 0-2. So I'm just going to take, 
I think Lawrence Holmes said this today. If you can't be great, at least be interesting. And I think that the Bears are interesting. I'll give them that. Yeah, I'm pretty whelmed right now. I mean, they <laughs> they basically played two good halves of football and two bad halves of football, right? Right. First half against the Giants, second half against the Lions. It's also hard to gauge how good those teams are going to be. I don't think the Giants are going to be anything special. The Lions just got uh, curb stomped again by the Packers, who look really good. That's that's uh, worse than waffle stomped, by the way. Yes, curb stomped is, is worse than waffle stomped. But it's better than boat raced. What is yeah. boat raced? That's not motorboated. I, I heard it the other day. That's better. Oh, okay. But no, it's I like heard when, it. You're, when your sailboat is next to someone else's, but they just completely outrun you. Oh, boat, boat race. race. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Which like I guess kind of makes race? it. It kind of makes it sound like you're on evil, like even playing fields. Because then, if you're both in a sailboat and someone beats you by a lot, that just means you don't know what you're doing. Hmm. Good point. That's a good point. That that makes sense then. But oh. uh, I was trying to think of the one. What's the one about the barn? That's what I was trying to think of when I said curb stop. Oh, a barn about, burner? No. Yeah, but we, we had some phrase about a barn. Gosh, I don't know. Huh. Barnstorming? <laughs> they were barnstormed. Barn burning, barnstorming. That's the only two barn <laughs> phrases I know. What was the know. thing It'll that... What was the pun that Juan had about a Wisconsin-Illinois basketball game? That was awful. And it, it was barn related, was, wasn't it? I don't think it was Wisconsin. I thought it was the Packers for some reason. Well, I know he had the one where he said uh, Indiana had Bobby, but Rutgers have the Knights. But that, yeah. just... <laughs> that was one of them, but that wasn't the one. Oh, it was no, the, the Bruins, right? It was the Bruins. Yeah, oh, Bruintal. It was the Bruintal. Yeah. 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 <laughs> The worst one ever. Oh, man. And he would always say it with such glee, like, see, guys, I finally got one. And we would just be, I, I, Lon, I don't think that's how the game works. Or or his, uh, I guess Bruin, Bruin Tool does, but. His strike. new thing is that he doesn't understand hot takes. I don't. It, it, hmm. So it's equally as funny as him not understanding puns. So we did something a few weeks ago where it was like, throw out a hot take. And I don't love doing that all the time because it feels forced, but we had a few saved up. So we were throwing them out. And I forget what his hot take was, but his hot take was something to the effect of like, the Cardinals will not be the worst, but they won't be the best, and they'll be pretty okay this year <laughs> or something. And it's like, Lon, that's not a hot take. That's the actually antithesis of a hot take. That's like, they could be this, they could be that, but you know what? Whatever. He was basically just throwing out mediocre opinions is essentially what he was doing. Luke I think, honestly, takes. that would be as good of a segment as hot takes, where each person has to think of the most saccharine thing that they could say about sports yeah. in that moment. So if we were to begin this segment about Dare to Dream and this Illini football team, what would be the most non-controversial thing that we could say about Illinois in this eight-game schedule? Um, hmm. Brandon That's Peters tough. won't kill you, but he won't win you the division. That's a good one. Brandon Peters won't kill you, but he won't win the division. Harry, any ideas? A non-controversial uh, take on this Illini team. I'm, uh, I, it's tough. I mean, I, I got nothing because I'm trying to think simply on, on the level or the, the idea of wins and losses. And I feel like if you say something like we'll win three games then people will be like, what only three. And then some people will look at it and say, you know, that's about right. Um, I, I don't know. I, I got, got one. Just, I got one. I'm not good with the hot and cold takes. My meat, uh, lukewarm take is that if the defense, creates turnovers 
it may help this team to another win or possibly two. Hmm. <laughs> That's my lukewarm take. I like it was a double hypothetical of if they do the turnovers, it may lead to a win or two. It's an if then proposition. So, Harry, yes. we'll let you think on yours, but here is the schedule to run it down. I'm going to list the schedule. And then what we're going to do first is categorize these eight games into must win, toss up, and not going to happen. Those we are the three categories. You make a noise when you list every name, like, uh, or, mm, or, hmm. Okay. So, for example, <laughs> I would start with, oh, you guys are making the noise, right? Well, we can. I don't care. Someone needs to make a noise. Okay, well, uh, you guys alternate. Harry, you make the first noise, and then the second team, Trevor, that's you. Third game, that's Harry, okay? So, right. you begin the season at Wisconsin, huh. and then you come home to begin a two-game homestand, Trevor, with Purdue. Hmm. After Purdue, Harry, you then face Minnesota at home. Uh. Hmm. But fortunately for Illinois, they then go on the road, Trevor, to face Rutgers. <laughs> mm-hmm. But after that, they do not play again at uh, Champaign the following week. Instead, they travel to Lincoln, Nebraska. And, Harry, they face the Nebraska Cornhuskers. <laughs> Before coming home, Trevor to face Ohio State. Fair enough. After that, they go... <laughs> After that, they actually host Iowa, Harry. Yeah. But then all, uh, all things wrap up on December 12th, Trevor at Northwestern. Mm-mm. Yeah, so here's what I wanted to start with, was looking at the schedule. I can't look at many games, and that would even include at Rutgers. Listen, I don't think Illinois is in a position where we can guarantee victories, but I think we can call certain games must win. I'm going to throw mine out there, and I want to see what you guys think about it. Purdue at home. At, yep. at Rutgers. Definitely. That's all I can really put. Gosh, I I should probably put a third because don't. Okay, I'm going to ask you to do something right now. Okay, don't do it with Northwestern. We haven't beaten them in five years. You thing. can't do it. And that's actually a decent Northwestern roster this year. Well, then where do you go? I don't know. Uh, at Nebraska, I saw, I, saw, I saw a stat that said over the last two years, and I couldn't believe this. Over the last two years, you have. I think it was. Uh, the same Big Ten record as Nebraska, and you actually have won two more games than them. What? Mm. In the last yeah. two seasons? The last two seasons. Incredible. So, I, I don't know. Purdue and Rutgers, we would agree on that. We can leave it at two games because, again, I think this Illinois team, as high as, okay, Jeremy, he's pretty high on them, as high as some people are on them, I think we can only certifiably say the two games are must-win and that if you lost either of those two games, this thing is immediately in the crapper. They cannot afford to lose either of those two games. I mean, I'll say, that with, I'll say that with Rutgers. I have no idea what Purdue is going to look like. I know that they looked good a couple of years ago. I don't know. They're not bringing back Rondale Moore. That's TBD. I think that he the coach is out, trying to get him back. But now they're opting back yeah. in because they can play, I guess. I don't know. Okay. I mean, if, if I'm being honest, um, just because of how everything's kind of unfolding, I just don't know what the effect of the fans is going to be, if there is an effect. Um, I think you do need to beat Rutgers. I'll say that. And I think you should beat Purdue, but I don't know if – I don't – I mean, it's been so weird with them the last couple of years. Let's go to, instead of toss-up, the games that we are saying not going to happen. Not going to happen. Now, 
I caution myself saying this because you did play well against them last year, and I think in terms of just stacking up talent-wise, it's not impossible, but all factors considered, I am putting Wisconsin in one of those, despite what happened last year, as not going to happen. And I think part of it would also include a tired narrative, I know, but part of that would include the whole notion that, well, the jig is up. They they know what happened last year when they didn't take you seriously, that they are going to open the season up at Camp Randall without fans and still try to kick your butt. What would it be? Uh, curb stomp, waffle stomp. My only pause with that game, and I don't want this to be confused and kind of misconstrued as I think we're going to win that game, because at the end of the day, I don't think we're going to win week one against Wisconsin. But the way I look at it is it seems like, I mean, everyone says, or, you know, from what I've seen, like from what I little I have seen is that apparently you're bringing back a roster that's supposed to be as good or better than last year. And Wisconsin was really, really good last year. They lost Jonathan Taylor. They're losing some guys at the end of the day. You had to play your perfect game and they didn't really play the greatest last year. So I think you won't win that, but it's like, I refuse to, it's, it's hard to say after a game you won when you were supposed to get better and they're supposed to regress a little bit that I am now automatically throwing that into the there's no way possibility category. Trevor? Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I, I hesitate with it simply because you've also been seeing, I feel, and again, prefacing again that we don't know what's going to happen with COVID. I mean, you have to sit out 21 days if you get any type of a positive test. So at any point during this season, anybody could be out. And that would be a huge factor for one team or another. But I guess my only pause to not calling it an automatic loss would simply be this is literally the first football action either of these teams is going to get in who knows how many months. And you just never, I mean, for I could see them coming out flat footed. You know what I mean? Sure. We don't know. We don't know. They're just going to be practicing against themselves for three weeks and that's it. And here we go. And as a better, I can tell you that there have been plenty of upsets in college football so far because uh, <laughs> you saw, what was it? Arkansas State came out week one. Louisiana. 21-point underdog. Louisiana was a 22-point underdog. So I, I pause saying that it's definitely not going to happen, but if you ran the simulation 10 times, it probably doesn't happen eight or nine times. I, I think that's fair. To the point of COVID, I actually think this is where it's advantageous for Illinois. I think the delay helps Illinois anyways because – You've seen a few of these fifth-year transfers or uh, the guys that have transferred in, fifth-year or not, they've gotten their eligibility. So you are a better roster right now than you would have been if the season had started on time. But also, I think that as we see the Big Ten and all the protocols that they have in place, the 21-day minimum that if you catch COVID, you can't play for three weeks, I think with this campus and what they got set up, Illinois is in as good of a position as any school to not have a lot of impact from COVID-19. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I mean, I think they said they're going to use parts of the saliva test or at least the concept of it for the other campuses. So, I mean, if you're sort of the measuring stick for everybody else, that can't be a bad sign, at least, I wouldn't think. And Harry, you know, what's funny is that we had had conversations back in June and July, and this is the last thing we'll stick with uh, COVID-19, but I know that, and actually, Trevor, I think the three of us had one of these, and then Harry and I had a, a second follow-up conversation about how, you know, you bring college kids back to a campus and things are going to happen, and chances are you're going to have this thing shut down by the end of September. And yet, it seems, according to the results coming back, that Illinois actually figured it out, that the students figured out what they can and can't do, that the numbers are now very low compared to what they had been two weeks ago. So it 
it might actually work here, which I I didn't feel that way, what, like September 6th, two weeks ago. I, I thought after Labor Day that we were really kind of uh, counting the days mm-hmm. until this thing was over. Well, and they sent they sent out that email that said, um, you can't go anywhere on Labor Day, don't travel, <laughs> stay. And it was right. like Friday at 4.30, and I'm thinking, anybody I know who was on campus that was leaving for Labor Day has already left. Yes. Even if they haven't left. I mean, seriously, your bags are packed. You're heading home. Oh, mom, I got an email from Robert Jones. He told me I can't come home this weekend. Like, Sorry. All but, right. So you, you guys. Right? I mean, it was concerning for a few days there to the point where we were like doubling cases every day. But now lately it's been much better. So hopefully that's a good sign. So, yeah, I'm just saying that I, I think that this could have less of a detrimental impact on Illinois roster than other schools in the Big Ten. That's totally speculative, though. You guys are not 100 percent putting Wisconsin in the not going to win or not going to happen camp. I, I get that argument. I think we would agree as fun as it will be on Thanksgiving weekend to watch this Ohio state at home. I think that's the trade off for getting Rutgers. I'm fine with it. Not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, the only possible way that's even, I think competitive is if like Justin Fields, like you said, isn't playing. Um, even then, what, I mean, how many times have we seen a backup quarterback for Ohio State come in and boat race us? So, yeah. Right now, <laughs> did Cardale Jones happen. was he in that? Cardale Jones start the year. Cardale Jones won the national championship game. He came in in the third quarter and and gave it to us. Twenty fifteen, correct? What was it? Twenty fifteen, the Cubit year. It was twenty. No, it's 2014 because 2015 we played them close for the first three quarters. Got it. Okay. 20, 2014 is when we went to Columbus and lost by 48. Ah, that's right. But there was a, was a touchdown late, right, for Illinois. I think so. I think we scored two touchdowns in that game, yeah. and then the next year we lost 28 to three. Sorry, Trevor. Yeah, that was no. I, I was just saying 28 to three was when I think they was a Jihad Ward like blocked a field goal earlier, yes. or they missed yeah. a field yeah. goal. And yeah. so, like, after the first quarter, it was nothing, nothing. And I think you were four and four at that point. So there was, like, maybe 10 to 15 seconds of, oh, for, there, and then it was immediately gone. Well, there was intrigue because I think even there was a point where maybe it was seven to three and they had a fourth and 12 where, like, JT Barrett scrambled and he picked it up. You go into the fourth quarter, I think, down 14 to three. It was seven to three at halftime, I remember. Yeah, so, I mean – that's one of those – I mean, this is probably the most Illinois thing to say, but it's a game where you finished it and you lost 28-3, to but it was almost closer than that, you know? But I remember – seem weird that I, I feel like Illinois has played Ohio State close when they're in Champaign this last, like, decade? Relatively. Oh, no, it's because it's they, they have. I think it's the weirdest thing is you haven't beaten them in Champaign since 1999, right. but – there was a stretch when you were playing them really close. You played them close in 02 when you got to overtime against them. You played them close in 2010. You played them close in 2011. Because uh, you, you 2010 down. was was Shieldhouse's first year, I it think, close. and it was like 21 to 14. Yeah, something like that. Or 2011 was stripe the stadium, where yeah. obviously it wasn't that close, but it was close enough. In 99, lost- actually, you mentioned that, Harry. I think it was before that, though, because 99, Illinois won at the Horseshoe, same with 2001 well, yeah, yeah, that's, that's and 2007. Right. Yes. So I, I think the last time you beat them at home, they were about to beat them in 2000 before Mike Doss, the safety, just completely curb stomped Kurt Kittner in the fourth quarter. 
the 20, uh, 2010, 2011 games were close, but at the same time, Ohio State kept Illinois at arm's length. So even though yeah. it was within reach, it felt like something big had to happen and it wasn't going to. So, Hang on, I'm crunching a number. Okay. Illinois has lost on average to Ohio State in Champaign since 2008 by 11.5 points. Wow. That's not awful. When you factor in the decade Illinois just had and the decade Ohio State just had, I feel like that's borderline impressive. Not bad. Yeah, we'll we'll take it. I I think that for me, that's just going to be, okay, holiday weekend, however that holiday looks. And it's, you know, the old uh, trope of a measuring stick game. I think going into Iowa and Northwestern, you can play Ohio State in a way that when when Iowa comes to town, you are going to be as prepared as you possibly could be. It's sort of like being in the batter's circle and you got the donut on the bat for Ohio State, it's much harder to swing. And then when Iowa comes to town, they're, at best case scenario, Ohio State light. So I would hope that that change in pace and change in speed and size would mean that that Iowa game, which I'm going to call as a toss-up, could be a major factor in whether or not we determine this is a successful season or not. Yeah. Watch us go and beat Ohio State when there's no fans there, so no one even cares. <laughs> well, you know, Harry, I was thinking about this. They said, because um, they went to Wake Forest for game day last week, and it was one of six schools that they've still never gone to. And you yeah. know that they're never, ever going to freaking go back to Wake Forest now. They just crossed it off the list when no one was there. I thought, wouldn't uh-huh. it be the most Illinois thing ever if Illinois is like, what would you be at that point? I don't know, like four and two or whatever going into that game. College game days or three and two. I don't know what it would be. College yeah. game days coming to Champaign. No one can go. No one can stand behind them. You can't cheer. No one's in the stands. And then you never get game day again. Yeah. You take it though, yeah. wouldn't you? You're probably right too. That's the sad thing. I, I will yeah, I mean, say, you, it, you know, with the whole, the circumstances of this year, and we'll get to this uh, later on, Harry, I think you might've been the first one to mention that we just don't know the impact of no fans. I'm looking at Illinois football and basketball kind of similarly, where in a weird way, sometimes they play just as good on the road, if not better, in certain points than they did at home. And Mm -hmm. using that logic, I think the absence of fans, we know for sure that Memorial Stadium is not going to be one of the tougher places to play in the Big Ten. We know that. But we also know that some of the places that they are playing on the road, specifically Nebraska, I look at, or Wisconsin, Games that if it were a normal packed stadium at Camp Randall or the Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, that I'm not feeling good about at all. But now they turn into glorified scrimmages where, well, okay, you you don't get into the fourth quarter and then that crowd comes alive and then a team like Illinois might shrink. I think that this will help the little guys, at least give them an opportunity to maybe get a road win that they wouldn't otherwise. And I mean, it has so far because, like you said, Trevor, with all the um, the, the upsets that we've seen so far, Louisiana did it week one. And I mean, who was it? I think Tulsa almost beat Oklahoma State yesterday. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and those are extreme examples because those are group of five teams against power five teams. But, yeah, I think it'll help the underdog because you got to look at it. For the most part, you usually are going up against the, the, uh, the team you're playing and the crowd. That's not going to be the case now. Better teams have more to lose. So Absolutely. if you're a mediocre team, you have slightly less to lose. I guess that plays into your hands. As we look at the schedule, okay, so the must win. I'd honestly be tempted, Carp, sorry to interrupt. I'd yeah. honestly be tempted to just put Ohio State as the one lock loss and uh, Rutgers as the one lock win. Let's let's go with that. I think I like that approach because Purdue at home, and Harry, you were kind of uh, talking about this. It, 
I don't know. Maybe if Rondale Moore is playing, this is not going to be like the Purdue game last year where you can lock it in. So I think that's totally fair. Let's go with one apiece, which means six toss-up games, and <laughs> maybe we maybe we subcategorize these. And yeah. the way we can do that <laughs> is if you feel like it's a toss-up game that you feel good about, go, uh? And if it's a toss-up game that you don't feel good about, go, eh. Or I'll let you make the sound that you want to, okay? You indicate <laughs> vi- via sound how you feel about these toss-up games, beginning with the opener at Wisconsin Harry. Are we doing Dare to Dream, or are we just saying, like... Let's start realistic, and then we'll do best-case scenario. Okay. If we're doing realistic, I'm saying, yeah, and I'm saying that, no, you don't, you're not going to win this game. They're going to come out with their hair on fire. Um, I like to think that we're going to keep it close um, and not keep it competitive, but if there ever was a situation where the hangover, or not the hangover, the revenge narrative was real, then it would be a game like this. So, no, I'm not feeling great about that. Trevor? If the Wisconsin players do all come out with their hair on fire, I think Illinois has a slight edge simply <laughs> because it's going to take a while to extinguish all that. That's tough, it's man. Be a it's mess. Tough your hair like that. You know, the helmets might melt, and, and that would not be a good scene if, if a helmet sort of morphed into one of the guy's heads. Um no, I, I like I said earlier, that was just a terrible, terrible joke. No, it wasn't. Uh, if, if I if <laughs> I ran the good. simulation ten times, Illinois is losing eight times. So I, in terms of if we're ranking the toss ups from confident to least confident, and in like one of those bowl pick 'em type games, this is probably this might be my least confident if we're considering it a toss up. Okay, fair I enough. Would, I would agree with that. Uh, that's not as bad though as like fire in the belly, which if that were literal, <laughs> you would spontaneously combust. Yeah, that'd be bad, man. There's, I mean, because yeah, that's bad. Okay, let's call Purdue then. Let's let's say if we're going through this realistically here, okay, we're at zero and one realistically speaking. Purdue at home, Harry. You know, it's funny. It's because you know you go with your least confident toss-up game. I think Purdue would be my most confident toss-up game, um, simply because I refuse to say that it's Northwestern. And Nebraska, I'll believe it when I see it, which is kind of also the same thing with uh, with Northwestern. Yeah. So I think if we're saying realistic, I, I'd say one and one after two weeks. Okay, Trevor? Yep. I'm same right thing. with Harry. It's weird. I think I think the front half of the schedule is much more going to be indicative of how good of a season you're going to have in the back half. Just because, I mean, there's a realistic scenario where you look at that back half and you go, Okay, Nebraska on the road doesn't mean much, I guess. But even though you've been close, you still haven't finished the job against them more than once this decade. Ohio State, Iowa, again, you feel like on paper it's close, but how many times have you actually finished the job against Iowa lately? It's been since 2008. Again, you feel like it's close, but Pat Fitzgerald has absolutely owned Lovey. So I feel like the front half of this schedule is sort of, I don't want to say where you make your hay necessarily, but you want to maybe pull an upset or two here so that you don't necessarily have to feel like you need to beat say Iowa and Northwestern back to back weeks. But then again, it's like in the back of my head, guys, you need to beat them for what are, are there going to be bowl games? Yeah. <laughs> how, do we even, how do we even grade this season? Like I think for me, it, honestly, I'm just going to enjoy watching football, but agreed, I would agree with Harry that Purdue would probably be my most confident toss. I, I think that yeah. I similarly, I'm just going to enjoy watching it. I say that until it really sucks. And then, no, I'm not going to enjoy watching it because I've noticed <laughs> that when the Yankees went on a five game losing streak, I was like, God, this is a bunch of crap. And it's like, wait a second, I should just be happy. There's sports in 2020. But I think though, in terms of what they're playing for, 
I'm not going to go as far as a couple things I've seen on Twitter that says, well, if, they, if this, this, and this happens, they could be in the Big Ten title game. I don't know if there's going to be bowl games or not, but I do think that a four and four or five and three season is enough to make me think, okay. And, and what it would do, I think, Trevor, is less about this year and more about if there's any long term sustainability. And with all the eligibility kind of stuff, that's all the wrench. Uh, what is it? You the wrench uh, in the system? What, what's that old term? Monkey wrench. Yeah, essentially all these eligibility things that came as a result of COVID-19, thinking that next year's roster might actually be a little bit bulkier in terms of depth than I thought it was going to be. So not that I believe in momentum with Lovey Smith and and his lack of four-year high school recruiting ability, but if they have a successful season, it would lead me that much closer to believing that this sort of patchwork way that he's building a roster might actually have legs. I mean, if you have a five and three year, that's not a, that's be amazing. A, that's above mediocre, because I mean that means you lose to Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa, and then sweep the rest of your games. I mean, that's a really good season, I think. I mean, I'm if we go four and four this year, then I'm then I'm looking at that. That's a that's a good season, because that's basically. I mean, what did we do last year? We won two non conference games. We went four and five in conference. Four and five in conference. Yeah. yeah. So I mean hell i mean I, I take that you know that that's that's it's weird well i guess it makes sense you just you're always kind of aiming if you're illinois around the 500 level so that's a that's kind of looking what what would be a decent season in my opinion okay so we got purdue we're, we're circling that as a win for the moment right one and one after two weeks yeah now remember mm-hmm. don't forget your sound you got to have a oh, sound yeah, first ah yes yes minnesota comes to town as you are one mm-hmm. and one harry yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. PJ Fleck kind of owns Lubby. Well, I mean, I, I say that minus 2018, whatever that blowout was at Memorial Stadium, but it seems like PJ yeah. Fleck does well against Minus them. that kind of what's looking like a fluke win. Now, I mean, Minnesota was good last year, like really good last year. You know, I mean, what they, they go, I mean, they, I know early on it kind of started to seem fluky, but then it goes on and on and they keep winning games. Their only bad loss the whole year was against Wisconsin. Yeah. And they, they they took care of business against not only Penn State, but they they um they pretty much owned Auburn in the um in their bowl game, which is not an easy win either. So I would put this one I would put this one third. I'm not sure if that's in the middle. I would because I'll Let's just, just toss you know, spoil, up, yeah. spoiler alert right now, it goes Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota for me as far as confidence level. Okay. And, um you know where where you what you're going to do with those semi toss up games. So I guess that means it's a true toss up game, but still I don't feel confident about it. I'm saying one and two. Trevor, uh, mm-hmm. I th- I think, man, I it's it's very uh, trite and cliche to always go. This is the one that'll make or break you. But I do feel like almost more so than any other game. You could say Nebraska. Um, could define your season two, but I feel like that Minnesota game. I mean, at that point, if you're assuming Rutgers is a win and Purdue is a win, you're deciding whether or not you go two and two or three and one into the back half of your schedule. And Minnesota, I feel like Minnesota could be Minnesota's success last year feels like the ceiling of what Illinois could do this year, probably even higher than what Illinois could do this year. But just in terms of, I don't think Tanner Morgan's that good. I, mean, I know he's not there, but I mean, he wasn't that great last year. He was a middle of the pack, big 10 quarterback. And that's what Brandon Peters is. He had good weapons with um, 
Bateman and whoever else that was, and you've got Bebe and Luke Ford. So, I mean, I can see a comp there, but again, you need to pull some ridiculous upsets if you want to be Minnesota. And ironically, one of those upsets would probably be Minnesota. Right. Um, man. I don't feel great about it. And I, I think the reason I don't is, you know, I'm not going to do the transitive property like, well, in 2019, they beat you by this much. So therefore, even if you get better in 2020, I, I, I would assume it'd be a competitive game. But I don't want to discount the job that P.J. Fleck has done building that program. And if you're Minnesota, you're looking at this as an opportunity to win the Big Ten West. I I know there's Wisconsin. I know there's Iowa. But you showed last year that you are in that conversation. So I I think that it's just still two programs right now that the way he built it and as quickly as he did, they're on a different footing than you are. And that if you beat them, it would certainly be an upset. Not a tremendous one, but I got to think the Vegas would have it somewhere between, you know, seven and a half, eight and a half points, even in the early going that season uh, in terms of the spread, if not larger. And I think that speaks to the fact that, you know, this is where we make fun of P.J. Fleck. Well, he just gets, you know, 28 guys every recruiting class and they're mostly three-star. No, he gets a bunch of dudes and some of them work out, some of them don't. But that approach that he took got them on the fast track. And meanwhile, we're in year five, hoping we could get kind of near what Minnesota did in Flex third year. So I, I don't want to discount what he's done in terms of building that program. You could argue that uh, the Minnesota loss last year was your worst loss, other than the obvious at home against Eastern Michigan. It was lifeless. Um, but that, I mean, that feels, that last year, I, when we had an end of the year podcast, somebody brought that up and I thought, man, that feels like eight years ago. Yeah. Because everything that happened after that, obviously, you know, the four game win streak, it, that was 40 to 17 and it wasn't even that close. And I know no. Matt Robinson played, I think, the second half of that game, but that was like, I mean, I walked away from that game going like, holy crap, like they've quit. I mean, it was legitimately that bad of a game. And so well, you, yeah, you do have to go ahead. You didn't score any offensive points, right? Did you not? No, I don't. Th- I think you had two defensive touchdowns. I think you had oh boy. a Jake Hansen scoop and score, and you had a uh, Daley Harding pick six, I believe. That sounds about right. My point is, PJ Fleck has more or less just absolutely hammered you again with Western Michigan as well. So, with this to Carp's point, basically being a scrimmage, I don't have confidence on a neutral site and beating Minnesota again. This is something where I'd say if you ran it ten times, you're probably losing six or seven of them. Um, I don't feel great about it. I'm with Harry in terms of it's behind. I, I might put it right behind Wisconsin, actually, in terms of toss-ups that I don't feel confident in. It's weird, and I don't know why this is, because Minnesota has actually had some decent success against Illinois in football. And back in the early 2000s and mid-2000s, when Ron Turner was coach, they had a running back stable, and it seemed like every game they'd rush for 350 yards against Illinois. And yet, two of the more memorable wins that Illinois had in the last, what, six, seven years with football – the Grey Ghost game in uh, 2014, I think Raleigh O'Toole started it, and you beat Jerry Kill. I was Minnesota. there. That's right. It was great. It was an amazing day. It really was. And then the win two years ago with Reggie Corbin going crazy, which felt like an aberration. But, uh, you know, there's not that intimidation factor with Minnesota. So anytime you see them on the schedule, you don't mark it up as an automatic loss. But I would agree that behind Wisconsin, it is the toughest toss-up. And because of that, to be realistic, I'm going to say they're just better than you are and you're starting one and two, fortunately heading into Rutgers. We are going to, we already did this, we said this is a must win, correct? Illinois 
must win this? And are we going to say that they will win this game? Rutgers? Yeah, I think I think you take care of business against Rutgers. If you I mean, my goodness, it's 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 one thing to say you need to do it against Eastern Michigan because Eastern Michigan's a name. It's another thing to say it against a team that I mean, Rutgers has had multiple games over the last couple of years where their quarterback had less than 10 yards passing. I mean, my God, that you shouldn't even be not a power five conference or a school. You shouldn't even be in FBS. If that's the case, that's hard. I'm serious. I'm serious. That's like, that's like Kansas level bad who also probably shouldn't be because then they lose to coastal Carolina by like 20. So, I mean, if if you're, having situations where you're a big 10 school and you're having a hard time scoring against the likes of Liberty. Yeah. If you lose against them, that's a problem. Harry, I saw a stat that said, um, it was one of those weeks that you're talking about where it was Art Sikowski. I think his name is who threw for less than 10 yards <laughs> and like five interceptions somehow. And it said, uh, it said that Georgia tech had more passing yards that week than Rutgers did. And they never passed their triple option team. Now, I will say with Rutgers last year, it took a third quarter barrage yep. of defensive t- uh, touchdowns to actually give Illinois some breathing room. My dad and I left at halftime because we had a, a big tailgate with a large TV and we just figured, OK, we are not going to sit in the stadium and fume if Illinois blows this stupid game. And the minute we get back to that tailgate, then they take advantage of it and they, they go on to win, I think, comfortably. Uh, decisively, I think by even four scores. But with yeah, Rutgers, yeah. we would agree that if this season's going to be worth a damn, they will win that game. So I think realistically speaking, optimistically speaking, and even if we were being pessimistic, that game might be closer than it should with Greg Schiano being back there. But I do think Illinois goes two and two. That, I think, is a very interesting way to look at the rest of the season because if we are going to find our way to five and three, this will take some creativity, beginning mm-hmm. with that Nebraska. And... Trevor, you had said that that Minnesota game, and you said Minnesota or Nebraska, to me, the key game of this entire season, the difference between four and four or five and three, or God forbid, three and five, is Nebraska. I think on the road with no fans, this is the best opportunity you're going to get against a vulnerable team. I think Illinois wins at Nebraska to get over 500. Wow. I do. I mean... See, you say God forbid three and five when really that's six, <laughs> five and seven. I mean, three and five is five and seven. Well, it, it would have been a three in there. with this non-conference. Three and five is six and six with that non-conference. Yeah, yeah, it kind of is. But here's the thing, though: if they had gone six and six with the norm, the regularly scheduled twelve-game slate that they had, then we would have been looking at each other like, okay, where's this going? Because I mean, Lovey himself, but he is setting expectations. He's saying, you know, that we're going to make some noise. He said it back when the season was originally postponed that whenever we do get back to action, look out college football. I think he said that even verbatim. And <laughs> with, with the whole the eye on the Illini that people have been doing, it's like, okay, great. No, not an eye on the well, Illini. Well, and that's care. why that's why I am still going to say they will win at Nebraska because I think this is going to be a weird enough season where there will be some unexpected things. I would still call a win at Nebraska somewhat unexpected because the talent level is basically the same. We saw that you couldn't stop them at all last year, and I still think that even with all the shenanigans of the lawsuits and their dopey fans and the fact that academically they don't touch other Big Ten institutions, we brought them in to win football games and they can't even do that, 
All that said, Scott Frost, I think, is a decent coach. And it will pay off at some point. I think, though, realistically and optimistically speaking, they win that game. They win that game to go 3-2. and two. But the next three games, this is where it could go either direction, regardless of a win in Nebraska. I think if you're looking at these games, um, I think realistically that you can win this game five out of ten times. I think Nebraska, it, there's there's a fear in, in that name, but I don't think that they're that great of a team. I mean, we should have beat them last year. Um, and I think the defense got good and you know better enough throughout the year to the point where maybe if you did play them later on the year, you would have won that game. Who knows? Because um, you were not playing your best football when you had played them earlier on in the season and you were up by 14, I think in the third quarter. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's not even too unrealistic at this point to say you win that game. I'll probably put that as um, just above Purdue as far as um, easiest know, toss confidence up. level yeah, and toss ups. Yeah. So I'll say three and two. It was uh 31 to 17 late in the third quarter last year. And you and still yet, had a chance to win that game on the last possession. And yet did. Trevor, didn't it feel even a 31-17, like, oh, boy. Oh, I, yeah, no, I mean, if, if I had been live betting that game, I would have hammered Nebraska <laughs> plus 14 or whatever the hell that would have been. So, Trevor, I, I didn't feel good about that. Three and two? Two and three? What say you? What do you think? I'm going to say that you're winning one of your two key games of Minnesota and Nebraska because you have enough talent and there's enough weirdness going on to do it. Did I say that they were winning, that they were going to beat Minnesota, or did I not? You said no, no. but I, I agree with your point, though, that they should – Split. I mean, listen, as old as this Illinois team is, and and realistic expectations placed on them, I do think that they, they will split Minnesota-Nebraska 3-2. and two. Yep. Unfortunately, guys, you then play Ohio State. And if so you're 3-3 three three going into Iowa. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, if, if you're yeah. three, I will say, though, for in terms of enjoyment level, Thanksgiving weekend, if you are just 3-2, and two, That'll be a game to look forward to. That, and oh, yeah. give me what that. What the hell do you have to lose? Just give me that. Nothing to lose at that point. And then after that, you face at 3-3, three and three, Iowa at home. In terms of toss-ups, I can't decide if this or Northwestern is the harder game. And in a weird way, I tend to think that Iowa is the more winnable game than Northwestern because that's been mm-hmm. the bugaboo. Pat Fitzgerald, you actually looked a hell of a lot better against a full complement of Iowa's roster last year on the road than you did at home against an awful Northwestern team. Yes, we, but, but Iowa is a lot better they, than, than you. So Well, I yeah, just, they are, but how much better are they than Northwestern? I don't know. that Because we see consistently Pat Fitzgerald and Northwestern no, I, beat yeah, I Iowa see what you're sometimes. doing. It, it, it's like transitive almost um, a little bit, you know, like you played Iowa close uh, and they're a lot better than you and you played Northwestern, not as close and they're a lot worse than you. So therefore, you know, if you played them equally, then you should destroy Northwestern and still lose to, uh, to, to Iowa or something in that regard. But yeah. I'm just going into it with the idea that I, and I don't even, I, I don't even know. I mean, you would hope eventually you'll look at Northwestern and kind of say, okay, let's get our you-know-what together and actually beat a bad team like you should. Now, I don't know how bad Northwestern is. I, you know, I think you said they're bringing back some people. Um, and they, 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 every couple of years, you know, they kind of go back and forth between they'll win, you know, in a normal year. They'll yeah. win four games one year. The next year they'll win ten. The next year they'll win three. So this could be one of those good years. Um, even having said that, though, 
it's more of an I'll believe it when I see it with Iowa. Um, I don't think you win that game. I think that you um, – that's like I said before, that's right below Wisconsin for me. I saw us play a pretty damn good game against them last year, defensively at least, and you still lost by two scores. Um, so I'm, I, I have to go – I have to go three and four going into the final week of the season. Trevor? I said this oh, – wait, i got to make a noise first. Um, oh, right, right. We're forgetting the noise. Darn it. That's okay. This is my – tentatively maybe surprisingly not not that pessimistic Mm. okay um i said on the podcast that we did after the iowa game that i i actually thought that was the best game that they played during that win streak even though they lost that game because again to carp's point about rutgers and some of those games you could argue the rutgers game wasn't that even good until the third quarter the michigan state game i mean it was freaking awesome but they weren't even in it until late in the third quarter um, obviously the Wisconsin game, same way. You weren't even in it until late in the third quarter when Jonathan Taylor fumbled. Iowa felt like the most complete game that they put together last year, where you just stared down a pretty good team, basically went, you know, blow for blow until the end of the game. And then I think it was the Peters got hurt or something. So then Matt Robinson was in. That's right. Unlike the last, the drive, last, it was just, the, it was the head hunting play from Iowa. Yeah. That was not called a penalty. Mr. Cool. The game was stinky poo-poo at the end. Mr. Cool came in, and it was just not good. Man, I hope we see some Mr. Cool this year. Um, (laughs) I don't. And I'm not ragging on him, but Rod Smith loves that guy, and I just don't get it. I mean, Jeremy posts stuff, and it's not Jeremy saying it, but you know, he'll post training camp preview stuff last year, and boy, Rod Smith just raves about Matt Robinson. He's ready to put him in at any time. And I'm going, really? Because like, I feel like we've seen a pretty large sample size, and maybe, maybe it is a, a bias against someone who just doesn't look right when he's doing it. But he just doesn't seem athletic to me. Like he, when he throws it, it's like he takes all of his five foot ten might and just like uncorks it ten yards in the wrong direction. Like I just, I don't see it. I get it. I get, now here's a question. What's the deal with Isaiah Williams? Are there any expectations for him? Good question. I don't know. This is such a weird year. I mean, what kind of expectations can he even have? You know, I mean, if, if, are we really, if, if we finish this season where Brandon Peters doesn't get hurt and therefore Isaiah Williams doesn't see the field, does that mean that three years in Isaiah isn't the guy? I don't think so. I think that keep in mind they redshirted him last year because he played under four games. That's right. That's true. That's true. He's actually a freshman this year. Yeah. So I, I think, I think you'd still like to see him out there somewhat, but at the same time, if you want to be competitive and you want to think that Brandon Peters is your guy this year, then I, I, it's it's weird to say for a guy that had so much hype coming in, but I think you kind of just take it as it is. It's 2020, and then you go into next year and say, the team is starting from scratch. We don't have much, but at least we have our quarterback. Okay, so we are presuming. I'd say they win that game, by you the way. You say they win that game. Okay, so that... They, yeah. Wow, okay, okay. Here's what I would say. I don't think they're winning that game, but at the, at the, on the other side of that, I think that they're going to be three and three heading into the last two, and that the and you know what card that's all I can ask for. Yeah, because and, I think those two games are as toss up ish as it gets. But this is what's amazing though is that you could enter week seven out of an eight game schedule, and the last two games hanging in the balance would be the difference between very good, okay, and bummer. And I say yep. three and five as a bummer, not a, a gigantic one, but a bummer in that you didn't really make progress. You just stagnated with the team that you feel 
should have been able to take at least a, a moderate step forward. Four and four to me is still fine. I feel good about four and four given the schedule, even though it is a schedule with some breaks in it. Five and three, I'm over the moon. So when I look at these last two games, gosh, I, I, I'm going to go with four and four, assuming that they win one of them. And in a weird way, I actually think the Iowa game at home, I feel better about. But um, if you win that Iowa game at home, then all of a sudden, just kind of like last year, even though you didn't win in Iowa City, you felt like, oh, well, you're coming home to play Northwestern, so you're going to end the season on a high note. I could easily see a situation where you beat Iowa at home, feel great, you're 4-3, and three, going for that 5-3 and three record at Northwestern, and then they beat you 20-16. to 16. And you, you're yeah. like, how do we get 16? Like, I, What I hate about these Northwestern games is somehow Illinois always ends up with a weird final score. Some crazy it, crap it was, happens. It was 29 to 10 this last time, wasn't it? 29 to 10. How does a team get 29 points? <laughs> the, my favorite, <laughs> my favorite ever was Iowa was playing Penn State. And we always joke how Iowa has the weirdest scores. And I saw at a time it was 14 to 10. And I looked at the box score and it's because one of the teams had two safeties. <laughs> That's, yeah, that game I was, love um, that. For a long time, that game was six to two, Iowa and Penn State. <laughs> Guys, we have one more game to play. So before we play this game, at the end of the eight-game schedule, give me your dare to dream and give me your realistic record. I will give you mine, my dare to dream, and there's not much difference between these two. It was five and three. Uh, I mean, absolute crazy would be six and two, but I, I think that's even beyond the dare to dream possibilities given Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa on the schedule, there's enough uh, Minnesota. There's enough good teams, so I'm gonna go five and three. Dare to dream record. My realistic actual predictions four and four. My realistic is somewhere between three and five and four and four, and I'll go with four and four. Um, I think you beat, I think you beat um, Purdue, Rutgers, uh, Nebraska, and Northwestern. Um, and if not Northwestern or, or, you know, seeing as it's us, maybe you lose one of those games and say you lose Northwestern and pick up Wisconsin or something, because that's what happened last year. You know, I say it like it's crazy and it literally just happened. Um, you know, something <laughs> weird like that, but I, that's why I think, that's why I think four and four. And then my dare to dream, you still include Ohio state as a loss. Um, my dare to dream, you know what? I'll go crazy. I'll say six and two is wow. my dare to dream. Losses to uh, losses to Ohio State and either Wisconsin or Iowa. And then you pull the upset on the other one. Because dare to dream, I mean, it literally means that, you know, everything goes right. So I mean, I guess and then then, you know, in the middle, my optimistic is five and three. Okay, fair. Trevor? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if I'm dare to dreaming, I'm not going five and three. I'm going six and two because I think you if if you play it out and just follow me, if you play it out and everything is clicking your way, I don't see why you can't beat Wisconsin. I mean, that sounds ridiculous, but think about it. I, if everything is going Illinois way, I don't see why they couldn't be. Wisconsin. Well, and you wouldn't even have to beat Wisconsin to get six and two. That's true. If they were the most Illinois way to get to six and two with this schedule is you would start out five and zero oh after Nebraska, you'd lose Ohio state, you'd lose Iowa and you'd go, Oh boy. And then you'd come back and beat uh, Northwestern to finish six and two. There's my dare to dream. Okay. Um, to Harry's point, something weird's going to happen for sure. Cause it always does. And COVID season is going to make it even weirder. I'm going four and four with my realistic, but 
I am throwing in the caveat that it will include one insane upset and one insanely frustrating loss. Okay, that's fair. And I, I would take, just for the thrill of a great upset, I would take that maddening loss somewhere in there too, even if that's at Rutgers. I look at last year, and if you would have said after Eastern Michigan that they're going 6-6, six and six, I would have said you're insane. But that team got the crazy upset to offset it. You know, as I look at this season and think about, you know, what a bad season would look like. I think 3-5 and five or less obviously is bad. 3-5 and five to me... And the frustration, and you mentioned COVID, Trevor, is that given the financial realities, I mentioned this in the opening segment, given the financial realities that Illinois and all these other programs are facing, there are going to be a lot less, a lot fewer coaches fired after this year, regardless of if they should be. And I'm thinking that a three and five this year, in normal circumstances, you extrapolate that to a five and seven season if they would have played it out with no COVID. I think that might have been it for Lovey in a normal year. Yeah. There's no way though that even at three and five and maybe two and six, I mean, I, I don't think you have you can open the purse strings and buy him out, even though the buyout didn't change after that extension. So I think no matter what, you're stuck with them. And because of that, despite my skepticism of this thing working out long term with Lobby, I'm thinking, okay, somehow, some way make it work. Win. We'll go five and three turn into transfer you whatever it takes because we clearly are not going to be getting rid of you anytime soon yeah i don't i don't think lovey unless unless it was on his terms and he just decided i'm out i've made my money i want to chill in tampa i don't see any scenario where he leaves or where illinois asks him to leave i mean there's so many there's so many factors to a three and five i mean you don't even what if brandon peters gets covid and you go three and five you're not going to ask lovey to leave because of that i feel like while I can say it now and it's absolutely not going to be true, I am genuinely just excited to watch football, even though we will definitely get micro during the games. I just feel like you can't get that macro with this grade of a season. It's just you're going to feel incomplete no matter yeah, what happens. That's fair. Yeah, we'll, we'll be a couple games in, you know, and if we're having frustrating games, then we'll be talking about how, you know, Lovey needs to go. But like you said, Trevor, we got you got to look at it. I mean, exactly. I mean, we, we could have a situation where the, you know, I don't know, Michigan state wins the big 10 East uh, because um, you know, fields gets COVID a couple guys on Michigan get COVID and that um, I, who, who knows Iowa gets back to the big 10 championship game because a couple guys on Wisconsin get COVID. It's, it's such a crab shoot that I think for a serious discussion for Lovey to be fired or you no, know, like I you know, like you said, I don't think he's going to leave on his own accord uh, for him to be fired. I think you're looking at one and seven or two and six. All right. Last Has thing. There I... ever been a more, sorry, just one thing. Uh, yeah, Has yeah, there yeah, ever sure. been a more controllable? This is so immoral. Has there ever been a more controllable way to affect the outcome of your team's game than COVID? How do you mean controllable? What do you mean? You you find the hot girl and you go have her kiss Justin Fields and she's got COVID and suddenly Ooh. the entire Big Ten has changed. This is sort of like a more humane version of the smallpox blankets back in the day. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> though that has – that's a bad joke. I'm sorry. Uh, no, I, I, I see what you're saying. I do think that depending on the hotspot thing, depending on which places are flourishing with this – COVID-19. I don't think it's going to be Champaign-Urbana because we test up the wazoo and that's why I think that we will have knock on wood less of an impact from that. But I do think that certain states, I mean, not not wishing this upon Nebraska but 
they clearly don't care. <laughs> Iowa clearly could give a crap about COVID. In fact, Iowa City and Ames, where Iowa State is, just a few weeks ago were the one in three hotspots in the world. They don't care. So I'm thinking for these places that have a devil-may-care attitude about COVID that, you know, hopefully it strikes them and not the Illinois of the world where we're actually trying to have an infrastructure in place to knock the crap out. I so I, I, that's why I said, go ahead, Harry. I, I know this isn't actually going to be my thought process if this were to happen, but please don't let this be the year Illinois goes on a miracle run and wins the Big Ten. Please don't be in a year where every other team gets sick and you and Indiana are playing in the Big Ten championship game. I'd take it. I would take it in a heartbeat. I agree that the anticlimactic feeling of it, though, because you wouldn't be able to celebrate in the lots or celebrate at the stadium or really even celebrate with that many friends. But I'll take it, even if it's weird. And the reason I say that, Harry, is watching this baseball season, this shortened 60-game schedule, at the end of the day, if the Yankees win the World Series, they won the World Series. It, 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 it certainly may not pack the same punch, right? But in a weird way, it would make it that much more memorable because in mm-hmm. this messed up year, finally, Illinois made the Big Ten title game at 6-2 and two because Wisconsin had to cancel a game and therefore they finished 5-2. and two. and that's the thing there are no forfeits there are no forfeits they will just cancel a game and if i'm looking at our competition minnesota that state has seemed to do pretty well with covid so i don't think they're going to be they're the only other state that still isn't playing high school sports so i don't see they're probably going to be right behind illinois in terms of diligence with this stuff but iowa iowa nebraska wisconsin they don't give a crap so i could totally see them going five and two instead of six and two because they got to cancel a game, and then you go six and two, dare to dream, and then all of a sudden you get the tiebreaker because you beat Minnesota, and you yeah. are in the Big Ten title game. So there's our Illinois, dare to dream scenario. Illinois is sitting at five and two with a game against Northwestern, and Wisconsin is five and two with a game against Minnesota. You already beat Wisconsin earlier on, so if you both win, you control your own destiny. Northwestern has to cancel their game against you because of COVID. Not even oh. your fault. Wisconsin goes on, wins against Minnesota six and oh. two. Oh no. We're gonna should've. save that. We're gonna save that in case it happens. Last thing Stop. I wanted to ask you guys. There is the bonus game. I am going to list the Big Ten East schools. Depending on the team I list, I want your reaction that if that is Illinois' ninth game of the year. What does that say about the season that came before it? Indiana. I think it'd be fine. I think it'd be that's a decent program over there right now. I think but it it is, but where are they finishing in the East? I think fourth. Yeah, out of how many? Five or six? Because here's why oh, Maryland, Maryland, Michigan yeah. State, and Rutgers could all be bad. I think, but I still think that based on what I've seen, Indiana is going to be below Michigan State. So I'd put them. Yeah, okay. I'd say that's a good, that's a decent enough season. I don't know, Harry. I think you're giving Michigan State too much credit. They got a new coach, and they have, like, nobody on that roster. No Brandon, or is it Brandon yeah. Lewerke? Are we done with Lewerke? He's gone. Rocky yeah. Lombardi. <laughs> yeah. Great name, bad, yeah, but bad quarterback. I, I, whenever I don't know enough about a team, and more so it is based on Indiana, I just go based on historical. I mean, yeah. last year they had their best season, what? 
in 50 years and they won eight games. So, I mean, but that's my point though, is we do know about Indiana. They just went six, six, seven, and nine under Allen. I mean, isn't that the definition of knowing about he's somebody? A good coach? I guess that's, yeah. But I mean, even in one of their best years and one of Michigan state's so, so years, Michigan state still beat them. That's true. I get why Indiana is not going to inspire a lot of fear or in the case of this exercise, not going to inspire a lot of, Hey, we're like Indiana, but I think it's fine. Uh, Maryland. I'm feeling good about that because A, I, yeah. you get to play Indiana, who would be on your schedule anyways, Correct. if this had been normal, and B, it probably means you finished third. And yeah, it probably, probably means five and three. Above, like, Northwestern in Nebraska, probably. Maryland. Nah. Not good. That would be, that might be disaster. Same with Michigan that State. Might- would we say Michigan State? I get the feeling because they have to play Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan, and all Z- the attrition on that roster... That's three losses right off the bat. Let me check their uh, crossover games here real quick. They would play. They have Tua's brother, who is immediately eligible. I don't know if he's any good. They would play Tua's North brother, War- Bria. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sorry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, they are going to cross over against Iowa and Northwestern. At yeah. Iowa versus Northwestern. And you they know that Northwestern, they play them tough. Yeah, actually, I might have to rescind what I said before, simply because that is a rough schedule. I, um, I think they probably play, finish fifth, so that means you finish fifth. Which, if you think about it, in this West Division, that means that presumably, well, let's say That's Nebraska and Purdue or Northwestern and Purdue are behind you. It's not great, but it might still be good for four and four. So I think that's, that's a TBA. That could be either or if you play Michigan State in that ninth game. Or... Um, Sorry, did I say Michigan State? Yeah. Okay, because we did Maryland. That'd be bad. Okay, we agree with that. Michigan. That's a good year. I mean, that probably means you're third. Third place, yeah. I would not take is I'd almost feel better about if you were playing Indiana than Michigan, but probably about equal. But, you know, I think for me, and this is the approach I'm taking with that ninth game, if you're five and three, it is a total bonus. If you're four and four, then kind of like last year, I wanted to be seven and five instead of six and six. That would have made a world of difference for me, even though it's arbitrary. If Illinois is five and three playing Michigan in that ninth game, bonus. I'm I'm glad that you get the the attention that you would get playing Michigan instead of an Indiana. And if you just competed, or God forbid, won, then all of a sudden you're looking back on the twenty twenty season like, oh my God, they went five and three and then they beat Michigan in the ninth game. I would be over the moon if you play Michigan. Their starting quarterback just left, didn't he? Christian McCaffrey's brother. Yeah, he transferred out. So why did you say you'd feel better about Indiana than against Michigan? No, I'm saying like in the game of uh, who are you playing that would make you that? How am I saying this? Whoever you play indicates how Illinois season was. Yeah. I'm saying if you told me that we played Indiana, I would feel just as good as if you told me we were playing Michigan in that game because I think Indiana finishes nearly as high as Michigan. Wow. That'd be an indictment against Jim Harbaugh. That is a hot take, but okay. Though not not crazy, not crazy because Michigan still hasn't done it, and I I just feel like there's going to be some cannibalization here too because I mean not that there isn't in a normal year, but everybody's playing everybody, and I just I don't know I I just don't think there's much cream rising at the top of this crop other than Ohio State. All right, Ohio State. Well, if you're playing them, you're playing for the title. That probably means you're in the title game. Yeah. Or Penn State. So wait, which you might would, be the you same would thing. play Ohio State twice in four weeks. Yes. 
I, which I would be fine with. If we play Ohio State twice this year, <laughs> that's a good season. That would be My great. noise would be the uh, Homer Simpson woohoo for Ohio State. If you were yeah. somehow to finish seven and two with your only two losses to Ohio State, like imagine you get to the Big Ten title game, you're over the moon, you're seven and one. Oh my God, unbelievable. We got our crack against Ohio State. And then they pull one of those, I forget which Big Ten title game. It was Nebraska and Wisconsin. And I think Wisconsin won 56 to 10. Or something yeah, like it, that. It, it was. I remember Wisconsin played Nebraska, and Wisconsin was like the third team in their division, right? Because of all the you know sanctions against Ohio State and Penn State, but they still beat Nebraska like seventy to thirty. Brett Bielema, I think, was the coach for him still. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Ohio State would be over, be over the moon. There is a chance the Penn State, if certain things shake their way, they can end up in the same spot. But if you play Penn State, that likely means you're second, which. Okay. Still a good season. That means you're behind Wisconsin and above the rest of the West, which is a great season. And Rutgers. Oh, that's the best season right there. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, my thought is if it is, no, I I, I about said this. I don't believe it to be true. I was going to say that if they are going to be bad, I would prefer them to just be God awful as opposed to like a bad three and five. Where they kind of back but they into don't a get anything you? out of that though, because it's no. not professional. Sports, exactly, so. there's no benefit in doing that. That that that's exactly what I thought. Where there's no tank for Trevor Lawrence, you just suck, and it makes it that much harder yeah. to get out of it. By the way, it is nice to hear on my TV every Saturday how amazing Trevor is. It's just a oh, nice he is he is. Uh, you know what I hate is this fetishistic approach that some of these college riders take with these college athletes which i'm sure some of them are good dudes some of them are very interesting smart individuals harry black you're an uh, an example of a very smart interesting student athlete for lack of a, i know you like that term i hate that term but I hate it. It, so they, they exist trevor but i agree and it's i remember specifically tyler hainsborough for north Car- north carolina <laughs> they would always show his parents over oh, and yeah. over, and what a what a what an all American family they are, and God, they just love their kid. They go to all the games. I'm like, I don't care about they the, him. Um, they showed the Zellers a lot too from Indiana. Oh they my playing God! They always say, and there's a uh, Brian Zeller or whatever the dad's name was. <laughs> you know what? You know what I hate on that same kind of note is when it says, and and I don't know if I hate is the right word, but I just don't get it and don't like it. Um, you know my stat line. Harry Black, six foot four, two eighty five, from Orlando, Florida. Major communicate. Who cares what my major is? They're all communications. Nobody, Nobody cares. And they're all they're all positive too, right? Like no announcer is going to mention he's a communications major, so that means he took the semester off. Like it, it's always turned into a positive, <laughs> no matter what it is. I remember he's back a in the communications day, communications major, so he can talk. <laughs> I remember back in the day there was uh, for Illinois basketball in the mid early nineties. So Dion Thomas, Kwan Garris, like that, the end of the Lou Henson era. And we would get programs for most of those games. We've got a stack of them at home for about three, four seasons worth. And more often than not, the major for players was communications. And I asked my parents like, so what is that? And they're like, well, um, you know, I mean, I guess you know, newspapers and it, it was a vague enough answer which even at that age i picked up on the fact that okay they're here to play basketball yeah. all right they 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 will really care about uh See, now economics is, or any of um, that crap the one now is rst recreation sport and tourism yeah, because sports it's management studying sports yes which yeah i had a it's friend a actually it's a fun major 
Oh, I bet. I had a friend who went to oh, yeah. West Virginia for grad school for sports management. Never used it. Became a brewer, and he's now brewing up at uh, up in Chicago at a brewery up there. But yeah, he went actually to West Virginia to get a master's in sports management. Because it sounds cool, right? I mean, you could be a sports agent. You could be in the front office of an NFL team. How many of them actually go into that, though? Um, Probably not many. I feel like most people that are in RST usually have some kind of minor in kinesiology and then do something in training um, or or nothing. You know, that's the other thing you can do with your with your major is absolutely, <laughs> absolutely nothing. nothing. I mean, I, I had news editorial journalism and I've never written for a paper. So I, there's I that. Mean, I, I was a comm major. I mean, Trevor, are you a comm major or a journalism major? No, I'm a journalism. Yeah. So, I mean, like the way I always looked at it is, um, you know, commute. If you if, if I wanted to get into radio, I would have to go the communications route or the journalism route. And I don't know how to write, but I know how to talk. So that's why I went the communications route. But yeah. I mean, I feel like most people, you really don't use what your uh, what your major is in what you're going to do for your profession. Like most of the things I did in communications, I never do nowadays. Unless you're like a doctor or something. I, I'd agree with that. Well, yeah, but then that's because it's a prerequisite for what you want to do in med school. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, boys, I think we figured some things out today. We, we realistically think that this is probably a four and four team. And Harry, you tended to say between three and four wins. I think that the three and five is still a possibility and Illinois fans should prepare themselves accordingly. And four and four, depending on how it looks, might dictate how we feel overall about the season. And of course, there's that ninth game where you could go four and five or five and four, and that takes on a completely different tone. But I'm excited, so excited that through December, basically through the holidays, we will have Big Ten football. And one last thing too, however they rolled out the initial announcement, the Big Ten will be alone in the spotlight for about four weeks. They will own college football. And I'm thinking, or at least a couple, right? At least a couple in December. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? At the end of the day, they may come out looking pretty good in all of this. I'm just trying to be optimistic. I'm a, I'm a homer for sure in, in regards to the conference, but I'm thinking that all the hits that that conference took, they may actually come out on the other side looking like they are still the most well put together product out there when you got Ohio State and, let's say, Wisconsin facing off in the Big Ten title game and six other games that day, and you're the only show in town. I think that'll they, be cool. They will. I mean, the Big Ten already on a national scale, I say, would probably be second to the SEC as far as national intrigue when it comes to, um, you know, football. Um, the one thing I just want to throw out there is I am a huge Big Ten fan. Obviously, we all are. We like the Big Ten more so than any other uh, any other conference. Having said that, I really uh, I I don't want to see nine and zero Ohio State get to the playoff instead of a uh, a ten and two team. I don't want to see that because it's 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 just it's not, I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's fair to take into consideration to that kind of extent the eye test when one team is playing three or four less games than the other. Now, the question, though, is I'm looking at Alabama's schedule, for example, and they have 10. So you, okay. the ninth game gets you close to the SEC, ACC, Big 12. I get your point. I, I, I think, though, that even an 8-1 and one Ohio State's going to get in. And they crafted that schedule, by the way, so Ohio State would go 9-0. I mean, it is the crossover games, and I have to check that again. I know that those are not Illinois being one of them. 
not the most difficult crossover schedule, and it is tailor-made for them to go 9-0. and But let's say they go 8-1. You said the SEC is playing 10 games? 10 games. Okay, so that's that actually helps. I did not know that. I assume the other conferences were all playing 12. Yeah, the differential. Um, yeah, there's not much of a differential there. Yeah, but but that's the thing is if, if there's a big difference between twelve games to eight and even twelve to nine, but then I mean even then the the, the best team would have thirteen games, right? Um, as opposed to uh to eight or not, you know, ten to nine. That's one game difference. Um, if 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 Alabama goes ten and zero, then yeah, they're going to get in. Um. But I mean, so your you point to- is like if Oklahoma State went ten and one and Ohio State went eight and one, you'd rather see Oklahoma State get in. I mean, obviously, I think that Ohio State's the better team in that situation. But a lot of times, I I've always been of the belief that it shouldn't be the playoff in every other um, you know instance of of sports isn't necessarily the best team. It's the team that deserved it the most. That's why you have teams getting in that are like, you know, the Eagles last year shouldn't, weren't one of the best teams in football, but they won their division. If you're Oklahoma State, you go 10 and 1 and uh, you win the Big 12, then yeah, I think you have two more teams than another team that is maybe if people look at them and say they're better, but they didn't play as many games, then yeah, I think o- Oklahoma State should get in in that situation. Okay. All right. I, got um, you. I think the interesting part to this is going to be the fact that. The, the two different factors of a you've got nine games in nine weeks. There's no bye week, so you're not working with any extra time here. And then coupling that with B, you're out 21 days if you have a COVID test of any kind. Which I mean, I get it, and I'm all for the safety aspect of it. But right now they're saying if you're asymptomatic, you should quarantine for 10 days. So imagine being asymptomatic, walking into practice, being told, "Yeah, you have COVID." You're like, "Wait, what? I do?" And you can't play for half your season. Essentially, three out of eight. Devastating. Days. Yeah. It'd be awful, and I'm hoping that there's no, I don't know, false positives. I would hope that they can double check that to make sure that you know if a guy tests positive once, but then the next five are negative, yeah, that he's not penalized for 21 days. But I think part of that whole thing is the monitoring the heart condition thing and just making sure there's not like an onset of that. I it is arguably extreme, but on the other hand, I get why they're doing it, and I don't know how many guys it's going to affect because of the extra time. They bought themselves not starting the season until October 25th. But I feel like we accomplished something today. I think we learned that this Illinois team and this schedule should be okay and that it really is six different games that we would consider toss-ups of of a variety from most difficult to the Wisconsin's and the Minnesotas of the world to the Purdue's and the Rutgers. So I I think four and four, I'm okay. What what would you guys say if Illinois was four and four? Okay, fine. Decent? I'd be I'd be happy if we were four and four. Yeah, I'd definitely take it because I mean, four conference wins is essentially what you're hoping for in a normal year. So, well, boys, I'm excited to actually get back to talking about this. So, as we get into the season, depending on availability and schedules, we'll be doing a, a midweek 200 level. We'll be doing Saturday shows from the fourth quarter through the post game immediate reaction podcast. But uh, it'll be nice though, regardless of how good they are, as Trevor said to actually watch Illinois football games, to complain if they suck, to revel in the joy if they happen to go 6-2, and two, whatever it may be, and the fact that we get it essentially until the end of the year. That's the other factor. In this crappiest of years, December 19th, there's going to be an Illinois football game. That is cool. I'm excited for that. Because the only December game I remember is Fresno State in 2010, and that was <laughs> one of the more entertaining games there. of all time. The worst birthday present of all time. I've already told that story, but I, uh, 
I say that the only non-bowl game in December. That's what I mean. Because Illinois played in plenty of bowl games in December. But the best regular season December game, December 20, oh, uh, 2009, Fresno State. And by the way, Bobby Massey today getting a catch for the Bears that reminded me of when yeah. that Fresno State lineman got the game-winning two-point conversion. I had to uh, – I was cutting that game at work, and I cut that audio of Jeff Joniak just flipping his lid at uh, Bobby Massey making that catch. He was, was, great. He was pretty happy with that play. Why Matt Nagy he's was throwing it there? Who uh, knows? Play-by-play guy. Oh, he's one of the best. Yeah, In my he's opinion, he's like one of the best. Well, Harry, Trevor, awesome. Uh, have a good rest of your night. We got, what, Seahawks and Patriots going on right now. I got the under at 44 and a half. I got Seahawks uh, minus two. Where are we at? Well, let's see. Seahawks minus two. It's a tie game, 14-14. Uh, the Patriots stick it oh, a defensive touchdown, uh, pick six. Only seven points on okay. offense, and Russell Wilson's looking good. I mean, he's apart from that pick six, he's been so that. good. Uh, but gr- guys, great to talk to you. We'll we'll get this going again soon, and figure out what our schedules look like for all the games and, and game weeks. But Illinois football is back. Dare to dream twenty twenty, and happy to do it with Trevor Valise and Harry Black. Guys, take care. <laughs> Trevor Valise, Harry Black, as always a a very enthusiastic farewell. Okay, got to remind you before we go, DP Doe, online at dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. Custom zones, some of your favorites. You get the signature dipping sauce as well. Order online at dpdoe.com. Fourth and Kirby, I just ordered the football t-shirt in anticipation for this football season. Go to fourthandkirby.com. Use coupon code 200LEVEL or the 200LEVEL. And State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. The best domain name. I should have had Trevor say that himself. Stay from Agent Brian Hansen. Brian is my guide.com. Got to get out of here. This is a Monday morning podcast. We're recording it Sunday night. Hope you enjoy it. And it is Dare to Dream 2020. We actually have a schedule to look forward to. I need to go take some allergy medication. This is what you get when you move stuff out of a basement. You kick up the dust and the mold and everything. You probably hear me wheezing by this point. But that is uh, that's it for this 118th episode of the 200 level. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We'll see you later this week. Excited to get back to it with Illini football. It is the 200 level.